Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair and you know than my dad. Hi, folks. Welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 171, and we're going to be talking about Uncle Buck. This great and fantastic film stars the legendary John Candy, Gene Louisa Kelly, Macaulay Culkin, and Gabby Hoffman. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. I got a hatchet in the Jeep here for you. Slover. Ken? Yes? You're about Steve. Do you know who he is? In the field of local live home podcasting, he's a god. I am. Yes, he is. Well. All right, and also joining us is our other good and dear friend, Ken. I just made pancakes. Roni. <laughs> well, I know that uh, you're kind of mad at uh, Jeff because, like, he, he's not here. He went off some lame, like, yeah, I mean, who, who runs off and goes to a ball game with their son? I mean, when he has a podcast with me. But I understand your anger, your your your, and, and the fact that he caused all the technical problems. We we know that. Yeah. But you can't oh, yeah. let it fester. You need to get together with him and bury the hatchet. Hatchet? I think, Mark, I might be coming over to borrow that. And you know what? I'll bet you money that he um, he took his boy off to the Pacer game and left the rest of the uh, the family at home eating Chinese food. <laughs> and doing their laundry in the microwave. There's that, too, probably. All right, folks, we're going to be talking about Uncle Buck, and this is a uh, this is a John Hughes movie, 1989. This is a, uh, obviously, this is a favorite of, uh, of the crew here. I will, uh, full disclosure, this is my first viewing of this great and fantastic film, so I had never seen it before. Really? Nope, never saw it. This is my first viewing. And, okay. uh, yeah, it's... I know, I know. It's shocking, shocking that I probably have never seen this. But no, it, first viewing, I'd heard of it, but never seen it. Didn't even know it was a John Hughes movie. To be honest with you, until oh, yeah, uh, but written, directed, produced. Yeah. Well, I will have a, I'll have a little conversation about this. Uh, but anyway, but uh, yeah, John Hughes, nineteen eighty nine. I don't know. Well, like I said, I'll I'll, I'll give you my thoughts about it afterwards. But. Uh, you know, before we get into it, uh, I, I drug out uh, drug out the wife for a uh, man cave movie intro to this great and fantastic film. So, uh, gentlemen, prepare yourselves. <laughs> Bachelor and all-around slob Buck babysits his brother's rebellious teenage daughter and her cute younger brother and sister. Have you had a few drinks before the show? Yeah. Yeah, I think you did. What are you? Mother Teresa something? You never had a drink? No, it's not that. It's just that I wouldn't be drinking right before hosting a world-class podcast. You know, I don't got to take this shit from you. You know who I am? In the field of Man Cave Movie Review podcasting? I am a god. Okay, that's it. Take your bottle of rum chata and your microphone and get the f*** out. Hey, let me tell you something, Miss South Pittsburgh. You could kiss my plump white... 
So there you go. <laughs> well, we had a Wilhelm scream. We can mark that off the list. Yep, there was. There was a Wilhelm scream. Wow. Bravo. Just when I thought you couldn't go over the bar, you do it again. Well, that, like I said, that was one where I actually was kind of digging deep to figure out what the hell we were going to do with this. And, uh, and I thought, we're going to do Pooter the Clown scenario, so. That was great. Okay. Well, glad you like that one. So, all right. So we're going to be talking about Uncle Buck and, uh, I don't know, guys. Um, you know, open forum. What initial thoughts? I know, Mark. This you seem to like this one because you brought this up in the, in the past. So I'll, I'll let you open the ball. Yeah, you know, and I gotta <clears throat> pardon me. And to the listeners, I'm I'm coming off a really bad cold, so I'm medicating with bourbon. We'll get to that later. Um, so that's why I sound like a frog. I'm hooked up with James Earl Jones. Um, <laughs> He is your father. Yeah. Uh, that's why I still don't have legs. I'm just in a little scooter in a box. Anyway. Here we um, go. Hey, I blame you. We got off to a late start. I've been drinking bourbon waiting for you. I know. Um, in any case, I'm a big fan of John Candy, and I do like John Hughes, who wrote, directed, and produced this movie in general. Um, and I, I, I can probably predict kind of where Steve's going to go on some of these issues because they're probably similar to what I have. But I, I've always just kind of had a soft spot for this movie in the sense of it's just a great series of vignettes where you get to watch John Candy do what John Candy does really well, which is kind of be this every man bit of a goof, blue-collar kind of dude who has got this big heart and this blue-collar sensibility about him. And it's it to me, it's just one of those fun kind of movies that got made in the late or mid to late eighties that you really just don't see anymore. It it, it doesn't have an agenda. It's not it doesn't it, it's got a message kind of, but it, it's it's just meant to showcase the talent uh, uh, of a really fun, good-hearted actor, and that's that's my initial thought. And I, I just think it's a, it's always great when John Candy's on the screen because. Whatever the whatever it is going to be, it, it's going to be fun to watch him interact, kind of as a fish out of water in in every scene. What do you think, Ken? This is a movie I've, I've really enjoyed it for years. Uh, everything Mark says, I, I agree. It is a it's all around John Candy. This is done at his peak, and it's also done at John Hughes's peak. I mean, I don't know if exactly what. Uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, Hughes was famous for cranking out these comedies. Uh, for a long time, he was cranking out things aimed at the teen audience, like Sixteen Candles, uh, Pretty in Pink, things like that sort. And they all tend to be set around Chicago. Uh, for this, he was moving up to try to get some adult themes. And actually, this movie does, I mean, it's got a lot of funny scenes. But it's also got some serious kind of heavy messages and things like that. Uh, I mean, I'll just... Oh, you know, two things I'll just say about this movie that make it kind of heavier for me than it is for others, which is, you know, a conversation I've had every once in a while is the one that he has on that scene where, where he's talking about how he's got it, he's got it made. You know that scene? Yep, right. I, I, I have that talk to myself every once in a while. It's, it's, it's a kind of a heavy downer scene, but you know, it's the truth. I mean, you, 
you, you know, no matter how good you think you have it, you know, you got to balance everything out, what you really have, what you've accomplished. Uh, and in this case, again, Uncle Buck is sort of a, would it be fair to say he's a near-do-well? Lovable. He's a lovable near-do-well. He's a scamp. He's outside of his, and again, this is a case where he's, he's an urban hustler dude out in the suburbs of Chicago. Right. Uh, the other thing about this that, you know, I don't want to bring it down, but if you get my sisters and I together and say, okay, name the movie character who most reminds us of our dear departed brother, Mike, huh. it's Uncle Buck. When you watch Uncle Buck, my brother was a, <laughs> in a lot of ways, that was him. Well, so, I, and I think, and not to interrupt you, Ken, but I think that was the thing that, uh, what made this movie appealing is that everybody has an Uncle Buck. There, there's some yeah. guy in the family that's like this one. He's, the, I had a, I had an Uncle Ronnie. Yeah. The, everybody, ha, yeah, everybody had one that's like that. He's kind of the the outsider, but he's the guy that he's good-hearted. You can count on him to help you out. He's not going to bring anything to the table, but he'll he'll do whatever he can to help you out. Yes. Yep. And he's got his whole. He's got an exciting life of his own in his own way. Right. And he's always. He's always got. The, if he, you know, he's got that deal. He's got that yep. hit. <laughs> he's got that. It's, this one, that ship is coming in, baby. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. And my dad was always the brother in the movie. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you just send me five hundred dollars, Ronnie, how much? How much do you need for the light bill? No, it's not about the light bill. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, score. No. It. And, but a thing I will just say about this movie right now, going in before we get too much deeper, is this movie has a bunch of scenes where. John Candy, in the space of a few seconds of just facial expressions, has a whole exposition, a dialogue, an internal conversation. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, um, you know, that was something I think we talked about when we did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And, you know, this is a guy who's who, who could express more just with a twitch of his eye and his facial expression than most people could do with a, you know, you know, 10 minutes soliloquy. I mean, I mean, I, I love this guy. Like I said, I, I still remember driving home from work and it was on the news that, you know, that he had died and I literally had to pull over because I was upset. I was like really upset. Yeah. He died. He passed before his time. Oh yeah. Way before his time. And I was like, oh my God, what a, what a loss because there is, and I mean, I kind of feel bad because this was one of those movies that, uh, uh, of all the John Candy, uh, movies out there, this is actually the only one probably I can think of off the top of my head that I've not seen, at least one that's that popular. Um, you know, particularly John Hughes movie because I pretty much thought I'd seen most of them, if not all of them, but, uh, somehow this one got under the radar for me. Um, well, 89, it was, it was a tumultuous period of my life. I just got engaged and I was, um, never mind. Uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> well, and I, you know, I think it, it, in a lot of other movies, he had been, uh, playing trains and automobiles is an exception, a couple of others, but this is one of those opportunities really just to shine on his own. And, and, you know, you, we've, we've talked about it, but we all, 
the great thing about John Candy as an actor is whatever role he was in, you know, Stripes or Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, whatever, he always played that guy you knew. So you always felt like, so I get why you say what you said, Steve, about when he died, you were like really rocked. Because we know this guy. Now, whether, and I think he was kind of that way in real life. He he was this approachable everyman that we all know, and we all are in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, he's just trying to get by and trying to do the right thing and trying to help. Um, and sometimes his help is more hindrance, but <laughs> but he means well, you know. And 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 he, deep down, he's he's a he's a pretty good guy, and, and I think that's why you like John Candy in pretty much any movie he's been in. Yeah, he can he can be over the top in his effort to overcompensate, but God love him, you you can't not you can't not think. Well, all in all, he's a good guy. Oh, I but see, that's always a thing. With with yeah. John Candy, you always looked at him as a good guy, and he yeah. is. I'm I'm jumping ahead, but there's just one piece, and there wasn't much trivia, but um, I I did like this one piece of trivia because you know we all have our impressions of certain actors and stuff like that, but John Candy is one of those guys where you just felt like if you saw him walking down the street, you go John Candy, and you give him a big hug and say, "Come on, let's have a beer," and he'd be like, "Okay." And there's this piece of trivia in IMDb, and it says, it says, one night during filming, John Candy went to the bar with Tarquin Gotch, and uh, I have no idea who that is, and spent most of the night there meeting with people. The next day, John Hughes heard a caller on the radio talk, uh, or I'm sorry, the next day, John Hughes heard a caller on a radio talk show describe his evening with John Candy. Hughes was upset with Candy, and despite Candy's assertion that uh, Uncle Buck was supposed to appear disheveled, Hughes canceled the scenes for the day and said, get yourself together and go get some sleep. What? <laughs> because he probably was sitting in that bar all freaking night, drinking and talking with, with so his inspiring Pooter the Clown, is what That's right. saying. And smoking yeah. the crappy cigars. Probably. So, I mean, and I, I like that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of thing that, and that's, I think that is what endeared people to him because he didn't, and again, maybe it was just because of his acting, but I mean, he just came across as that type of guy where you could just literally walk up to him and he was just, I mean, he would give everybody a big bear hug and he loved everybody. And that is the type of person he always portrayed in all of his movies. Yep. And I think that's why everybody liked him. Yeah, and and I think that comes through in this movie, and, and you know, and he plays the befuddled, bit of a screw up uncle who, in the end, is really he really connects with the kids, and yeah, it, it's Hollywood and it's all the tropes, but it's kind of fun to watch how that all unpacks because he has some interesting interactions with with Tia, the older daughter, and then with Maisie and Miles, who are Gabby. Hoffman and Macaulay Culkin, I think this is one of his first roles, if not his first. Um, and it's just kind of fun to watch him play the uncle, because we've all had that uncle when we were young kids, too. Right. Well, and I'll tell you what, there's, you know, the, the, you know some of the other actors in there, there's, you know, there's people that you kind of recognize, um, you know, from our generation, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I remember seeing them before, but it's like, I couldn't tell you what other movie they've been in. But, um, you know, the one that, um, 
uh, you know, the, the, the two younger kids, I mean, you have Macaulay Culkin in there. He played uh, Miles. And then there was uh, uh, Gabby Hoffman. She played Maisie Russell. I have no idea what the hell Gabby Hoffman is doing nowadays. She has got, she is a very busy, she's been a busy, busy actress. Okay. There's a lot of TV. She was very busy, took a break, and now she's back. Okay. Well, so she's doing a lot of TV, which is probably why I don't see her. But the one that, I'll tell you what, the the one that really kind of struck me was the one that played Tia. That is Jean Louisa Kelly, who... uh, has grown up to be pretty smoking hot. She's, uh, you know, she's a few years older. I mean, she's uh, she is quite the uh, she's quite the cougar. Uh, she's pretty hot. You know, and I I like I I remember seeing this in the eighties, and I I I just liked her. There was this edge about her, and I thought as a she played that angst ridden, edgy teen oh. really well. Yes, she, very believable. She, she sold it, oh. I, and I think she's a very good actress. I'm Next telling you, fact. and here's the thing, and I'm not, I, and it's, this is not a criticism, but it was one of those where she played it so well, I just wanted to crawl through the screen and just smack the living shit out of her. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, are you well, seriously it, it, talking to your mother like that? And I mean, I do have to give her credit because holy cow, she pulled that off. It's a good thing none of us have to deal with moody teenage girls. Oh, no. oh my gosh. She, oh, I'll tell you what. There ain't, let's put it this way. Uh, the reason my child is alive right now, I probably shouldn't even be saying this over the podcast, but she was not like that kid in the movie because there ain't no way. <laughs> Holy cow. I, yeah, I can't see the Tia character living in the Michaels household. No. Not for long. <laughs> Not for long. That's exactly it. Not I can't imagine long. living in any of our households very long. No. It's like, okay, you've got two choices. You can kill yourself or you can move because there's. Oh, but, man. But, she but, you know, was. I got to give the actress credit. She really sold it. Oh, she did. That that That's the thing. And that's, what, like I said. She really played that role well, and yeah. um, and I and, it, and it's really amazing because, like I said, if you click on her IMDb picture, uh, she has uh, she has grown up to be a quite attractive lady. She's a striking, and she's still busy. She yeah. was in Ant Man. Yeah, she's doing. Stuff. She she looks like she took a break and then she got back in, mm-hmm. and and yeah, she's just cranking stuff out. But yep. you're very I, busy on TV. Yeah, but yeah, she. You know, and that was the thing. I enjoyed all three of the kids. They all had their little moments with Uncle Buck, and obviously Tia had the most because of the whole right rebellious teen. But it it was it was fun to watch him interact with these kids. I loved the whole Macaulay Culkin grilling him like a police inspector. Right. What's what's the record for? Consecutive questions you've asked thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, a thing about Macaulay Culkin is you know. This movie basically laid the groundwork for him to do the Home Alone series. Right. I mean, he was just breaking through. So in this case, he's adorable. And I'll, I'll just say, you know, you guys have heard me say many times that I don't tend to like movies that revolve around cute kids. But in this case, that goes out the window. These kids, uh, to, to uh, use a current uh, phrase that some of my female friends use, they are totes adorbs. What? I'm, I'm being cool, dude. 
totes of dwarves. You know, you really need to lay off that kind of talk because it just makes you sound like a goof. Totally adorable. There you go. Oh. What's that? I was going to say, I was going to start pulling out my... Those those two little kids are totally adorable in this movie. And the scenes, the individual scenes where they're interacting with Uncle Buck and each other are great. Well, uh, the one one of my favorites, and Steve, I'm sure you were there at some point in your life, is the whole bedroom scene where the kids and the dog are in the room. Yep. And he's got no, he has no room. Yep. These little rugrats take all the bed and they follow him everywhere like, like lice. Um, (laughs) That's the great thing about this movie is if you've had kids or you've had brothers or sisters, you go, yep, yeah, we did that. We did that. Yep, pretty much. Well, I didn't. No, of course not. No, I had, uh, no, I was in a cage. So. Well, we know that. I couldn't get up. But yeah, the, I think that's the other thing. The child actors, and, you know, Ken, you made a good point. We, we usually don't like child actors for a host of reasons, but usually because they, they're annoying. But all three of the, the child actors, they're, they're believable and they are good actors in this movie. They've all, pretty much everybody in this movie, even the, you know, the minor characters went on. They were very busy and very successful. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin's probably the one who's had the worst turn of events other than John Candy. Well, he, 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 again, he, he had a long run of success, but I mean, like many child actors, he's run into problems. Oh, but he's still, I mean, he's, he's out there. Well, he, I, I'll tell you what, that's, and I think that is, it was hard for me to watch some of these movies. I was never a big fan of the Home Alone series. I just kind of found them annoying for some reason. I, I actually have never seen them. Well, I, Ken, if you're like me, you'd be like, all right, this this is just, I mean, it's it's almost like they're trying to do the Three Stooges. And yeah, the, I, I and saw it, parts of yeah. them, but I never sat down and watched the whole one. Yeah, it's like Three Stooges, but failing horribly. It's not funny. It's just, eh, whatever. Um, I was really never a fan of that kid um, at any time. And I think maybe it was I was kind of tainted because of how he's turned out. Because, I mean, that guy is, Wow. I mean, he, he, he's, he's hit the bottom he, and oh, yeah. digging. Yeah. He's, wow. It's, and, and I think that's sad because I think that seems to happen with child actors. I don't know if they just don't have, you know, good parents or somebody to sit there and watch over them. But man, that, that poor guy. I mean, I feel bad for him because, like I said, I mean, you see him in these roles. He does really well. Uh, I mean, he's really good in this one too. And then you know, you look at him now, and you're just you just shake your head, going, "Oh my gosh, okay, yeah. all right." Especially when you look at you know, you look at Gabby Hoffman. I mean, she's out there doing all this kind of stuff. You know, Jean Louise Kelly is just you know, striking, gorgeous lady. Um, you know, everybody. Well, you know, poor John Candy. You know, but uh, but it, the thing of it is, is that it's like, ugh. You feel bad when you watch these movies knowing how some of these people ended up. And uh, I don't know. I, I just, Like I said, I was never a big fan of his, but I, just, I think this just kind of makes it worse for me. But It's unfortunate. Yeah, it, it, it's... What the hell? I, that's not me. It's not me. That was not me. me. 
Maybe I hit a button. Sorry. Anyway. Anyway. You know, the other person we need to mention is Amy Madigan. She's probably the best, other best-known actress in this movie. Uh, that was the mom, right? No, that was Shanice. Shanice, Kobolowski, yes. Kobolowski, a good Polish girl. <laughs> she was a very good Polish girl. Kobolowski. No, very good. I thought she did very well. She's believable, and she's definitely a well-rounded character. Yeah, she did a great job, but, you know, let's not take anything away from Mrs. Hogarth. Oh, God. She has been an educator for 33.5 years. You know, yeah, we, we do need to talk about <laughs> her. Both, most people take away from this movie. <laughs> I would not be surprised if Steve had it in quotes. Oh, it's in there. Yeah, she's frightening. I think we all had a teacher or somebody like that. <laughs> and she has, she has such a small role, but it's so memorable. Well, yeah. When you well, that whole scene, the whole you know middle school scene is a great scene from front from beginning to end. All right. One other thing I do want to bring up, guys, is and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know we're all around. Oh, good lord! Speak again. I know it's it's this damn shitty beer I'm drinking. Sorry. We were all around during this time. And let's see, 1989. I was okay, cause oh, I'm I'm what three years out of high school. I don't remember anyone dressing like these kids. I don't remember anybody wearing the pork pie hats and the Che Guevara berets. Just I just don't remember that. Was Did, that were you hanging around the upper crust suburbs of Chicago? Was that it? Is that yeah. is, was that the was that like a a click thing back up there? Yeah, because, that was a thing. Okay, and also the Sergeant Pepper glasses. Oh, I forgot about those. You're yeah. right. That's where that came. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I mean they they you know the, the people that, that wore lot. that fashion would not come to your neck of the woods. Oh. Kill them. So, right. Yeah, say, we up was, around what Evanston, and, you know, the North Shore. The North Shore. Yeah. Yeah. You come, you go over to Lake County. We'll eat you, people. Yeah. We're like the when brain was, eaters. When I was, when I, the high school I went to, there were a handful of those folk as well. Okay. There were a handful of them. And you're like, okay. Because and I, I kept telling Deb, I'm like, you know, we, we, we went to IUN. I mean, we were, you know. Right around that age, and I'm like, those people don't go to IUN. No. I was gonna say we would, no. they would have been, they would have been, it would have been like a zombie horde on top no. of them if they if we saw that. No, 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 no. no. They they go out of state. Come on. Okay. Yeah. All right, just checking because Am I like, right, Mark. That or they go to small private colleges in the yes. state. Okay. Yeah. That would probably explain. See, that was a thing. If I would have been picking up my niece, I would have been driving, because to be honest with you, the car that I had at that time was not not far away from what Uncle Buck was driving. <laughs> you know, that's something gotta, I, that, that car is a character. We need to talk about that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I meant to mention that. The, the Beast is a character. The Beast. Yes. It dominates every scene it's in. It scares people. Is that a what is that what like that a, a mid seventies? Um, hold what on, hold on. Uh, there, it's actually in the trivia. I have to look it up. Hold on, give me one second. Uh, yeah. 
Keep talking. It's like well, it's, we, it's, it's, they 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 had to really work. I, I think they had to pur- purposely go in and like pull the rings out of like you know four of the eight pistons to get right. that. Level it, of it's smoke. a nine. It's a nineteen seventy seven Mercury Marquee Chrome. Chrome, <laughs> <Yeah>. baby. Yes. <laughs> it's got a capacious trunk. <laughs> yes, it does. It's got a big backseat. You can you can you can hold a body. And a full-size spare and a bag of tools. Oh, good Lord. Filmmakers used a combination of a gunshot and a firecracker to create the backfire. Well, I'll say, back in the day, after I was driving the uh, old Gremlin, I drove a Chrysler satellite wagon, which got seven miles to the gallon. Right. Strong seven. Uh, and it had that tendency too of you'd shut it off and Did it also have that lovely ride of shot shocks that looked like you were on a yacht in the middle of a pitching sea? Well, that's that's when you don't replace the shocks, but right. yeah. <laughs> Funny it was tight God. in those days, man. That car was a beater. Oh. <laughs> It was great though. I mean, the car was its own was a personality in that movie. I mean, the only other car that almost stacked up to it was the mouse mobile that the clown pulled up in. Yeah, didn't you own a car, a similar unique vehicle, Ken, in your day? I've I've had, like I say, I was driving a satellite wagon. I was driving the old Pontiac Tempest. Ooh, well, weren't you driving? What was it? An AMC? It was an AMC Gremlin. Gremlin. But the Gremlin ran like a top, except for the fact that the doors tried to fall off. Yes, I remember. You tried to kill me more than once. It was, it was, it was not, it, it just, they didn't engineer them well. Those cars were not engineered well. This was the, 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 the mid seven, mid late seven were the height of planned obsolescence in American auto. And it, you see it in that car. I mean, the, uh, the beast, well, he says, I mean, it's got 100,000 miles on it. It's good for another, you know, 2,000 or whatever. But uh, cars, just, they just didn't make them that well back in those days. Oh, no. You don't, you don't see them around. Those, those cars didn't last. No. But yeah, I had, I had those cars, and uh, I drove them in my day. I think we all had things of that sort. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. But I will, you know, listeners, I mean, if those of you that are a little bit older that grew up in that era, I think you know what we're talking about. They 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 made you know, they had these great big old you know roadmasters that yeah. they were they they were they were they looked like a brick that had been kind of rounded off on the edges, and they rode like one. They were huge. They were yes. boats. Well, I still remember, and I I'm going back, but somehow at some point in like the mid '80s. My dad picked up a used white Cadillac with white interior, and the whole family just called it the Pimp Mobile. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> it it was it was the only thing missing would have been oh I don't know shag carpet. It, it didn't have shag carpet, but yeah, it you know they. I'm glad to live in the era we're living in now. It, oh. it's, it's much better, but no. What are we? You know, getting back to the movie. I mean, we can talk about cars all all night long, but I mean, 
we we you know we we talked if we hit the major character we hit John Candy Amy Madigan uh man trying to think uh well the thing it it got me was uh again we mentioned Bug yeah who Bug is like John Candy's nemesis would it be fair to say yeah he's the guy who's trying to put the moves on Tia the the teenage daughter and get her in the sack yeah and I thought Buck Buck knows this guy because he, Buck was this guy. Yeah, yeah, and I will say that uh, yeah, I was played by Jay Underwood, and you know I was you know I watched this movie. I go, I had never seen him do anything else since. And then I went and looked at his uh, filmography. The guy's done tons of work. He was in Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, he's in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which is actually an old series that I really liked. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Voyager, um, X Files, West Wing. Yeah. So this is a, a very again. Go back to what I said. This movie, almost everybody in this movie went on to do great things. I mean, at least they're very active. Well, I think it's interesting about this guy because in the movie he has got this. When you say magnificent head of hair. <laughs> And yeah. then you look at his IMDb picture, and it, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can identify. If you take a look at me when I was 18, I had a great head of hair. It was full. Yeah, it was thick. You still have hair. He doesn't. I have some hair. Well. <laughs> I have less and less every day. That's better than what he's got. Yes. And one final person I think we need to talk about is – uh Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. Uh, Laurie Metcalf plays the neighbor. Yes. Marcy Dahlgren Frost. It's hyphenated. It's hyphenated, and people like the hyphen. Yes. Now, th- those of you that like grew up in the 90s, you will know her better as Roseanne's sister. Yep. But she, I, I, I like her scenes. Uh we all know where she's coming from. What, what, what do you think about her scenes, Mark? I thought well, they, yeah. they, I think they were very important for the movie. She's, she's not an irrelevant female lead, and they could have written her that way. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's uh, recently divorced and desperate for any type of manly attention. And yeah. I think she plays off Buck really well because. He knows what she wants, but he she's so out of his league, he doesn't know how to deal with her. Yeah, yeah. He just tries to, like, dissuade her. He, like, okay, I got, I'll humor her for a minute because, like, he's he's my, you know, my, my sister-in-law's friend. I don't want to, like, you know, put her off or anything. But, yeah, she's coming on to him strong. She's yeah. very, uh, I don't know, cougarish. I don't know. And, and, and uptight. She's, she's, yes. she's wrapped. And she plays this role really well. I mean, she's and she's got all the bad '80s style. I mean, it, and we can get into that. This is this is a quintessential '80s movie of of some some real ugly style. And yes, she exhibits it. The headband and the glittery blouse and Nagahide skirt or whatever she's wearing. Well, then that was the thing that when I watched this, it hit me because, like, you know, I spent, you know, I, I watched Roseanne series all the time. And in that series, she plays a, you know, basically a 
blue collar, money is tight sort of character. Yeah. And in this one, it's like she's, you know, she just scored a big divorce and she's, you know, got, you know, for the 80s, pretty fashionable, pretty expensive taste in clothes. She's living in a nice suburb. Yeah, she, and, and, and she's fun to watch against Buck because they both are from, how should we say it, the other side of the tracks. Yes, opposite ends. Yeah, and the other thing people know her from is all the Toy Story movies. She was and the voice of Andy's mom. Oh. So, yeah, so if you always heard Andy's mom in the background, that was her. Um, yeah, and, you know, the other guy, I do think we need to mention one other guy who he's been in a ton of stuff, and you don't recognize him because he's dressed up as a drunk clown. Is <laughs> Is Mike Starr, and he has all of two minutes. He plays Pooter the Clown. Holy cow, I just went and clicked on his yeah. filmography. You're He's right. Been, he was in Goodfellas, Dumb and Dumber, Ed Wood, which I think is a brilliant, brilliantly funny movie. He's still working. He he is a huge character actor. If you look him up, he he looks like your quintessential New York Italian guy. Yeah. Kind of big and beefy. And he was born in Queens. Um Bronx Bull, he's been in a ton of stuff. But he's always kind of playing that mob-heavy kind of role. Yeah. Pooter the Clown isn't a mob-heavy role. No. Pooter the Clown's just a drunk, dirty old clown. <laughs> for those for those listeners who have the, the fear or loathing of clowns that were displayed in Zombieland. Um, yes. He he fits that character. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's 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 kind of scary looking. But Pooter has a comeuppance. He gets he his, does have <laughs> he, he gets his nose popped as it he turns into, he, he turns into what what did they call those clowns that you bopped on the nose and they wobble <laughs> oh, back and forth? Yeah, he he does doesn't he, he? Yeah, and he gets his little red clown nose punched <laughs> in. Well, it's great the way he just goes. Yeah. <laughs> It's a great scene. Yes, yes. It, oh, he's on it, board on the 4th of July. I'm looking at his thing. Yeah, yeah. Free Jack, he, The Bodyguard, yeah. Hutsucker Proxy, Cabin Boy. He was in uh, Goodfellas. Yeah. 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 He's been in a, st- a lot of stuff. Yeah. Black Dahlia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, again, you mentioned it earlier, Steve. A lot. There's a, there's a number of actors who've who've done a bunch of solid work. You just don't recognize them until you go look at their filmography, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I do know that guy. Right, right. I mean, one final character, I mean, I'm not going to give a big talk about, was Pal. Pal. We like, I like Pal. You know exactly where he's coming from. You mean Pal and his um his toothpick? His toothpick. <laughs> I, you know, I'll tell you what, that, that was another one of those scenes where that was creepy. it just kind of bothered me a little bit. It's like, all right, dude, you can't tell that's, like, a kid. No. Yeah. Didn't care. Yeah, well, that was just it. I did like the part where he was, like, trying to, you know, like, move the toothpick around, and he almost yeah. choked on it. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. But, um, well, and I always like the, you know, the, the point. They make a point of showing that he has a black eye. Yes. So he's actually tried this before and yeah. has failed. <laughs> so I think well, that I, was... I wanted to think that, you know, 
if you notice, the second Buck comes up, says, like, is this oh. your name? Go, oh, my God. I, uh. I think Buck gave him that black eye like a day or two before. <laughs> yeah, I think Buck popped him when he tried to make the moves on Buck's girlfriend. Well, and that's the thing. Buck is not a guy to be trifled with. No. Yeah. I mean, he looks like this big, huggable teddy bear, but I don't think you want to get crosswise with this guy. Well, and again, this guy, I, I'm looking at his filmography. He's working now. Yep. Yeah, it's it's small roles, but this guy's cranking out. He he's keeping busy. He's keeping busy. So yeah, yep. there's a, you know, we we spend a lot of time on actors, but I think for good reason. There's a lot of people who are who are really just cranking out work. Now I got to tell you, the one who just bugs me in this movie is the mom. She's played by Elaine Bromka. Yeah. I I, I just I I. She's not written sympathetically. No, and I don't think she's good in the role. I, I she's just not great in that role. Well, it seems like she's mailing it in, and even when she has the few scenes she does, she just seems out of it. But I think her character is supposed to be out of it. I guess she just yeah. Almost an irrelevant female lead, but we'll roll. We'll no, we've talked a lot about, like you say, we've talked a lot about the cast, but we do, I mean, listeners may have picked this up if they've listened to a number of the shows. We've got a lot of respect for the, you know, not the big name stars, but the, you know, the journeyman actors and actresses who get out there and they just keep working and working and working and you see yeah. them here and you see them there and you see them in the 80s and you see them in the 90s. I have respect for those guys. That's that's it's tough, but they just hang in there. They like their they, they must like what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of those kind of people. They're journeymen. Right. And you got to right. yeah, you got to respect them because they're staying in a they're staying in a line of work that's hard. Yeah. But so where are we now? Well, I'll tell you what, I just wanted to just do a real quick touch on the soundtrack because Oh yeah. The the one thing I like about John Hughes movies is um like I said when I did that intro that uh, Deb and I did for the uh you know for the movie yeah, you know I pulled that song out uh, you know it's an old classic one from what 40s or 50s but a lot of the music and what I liked about John Hughes is that a lot of his intro stuff is that I mean it's that classic 80s cheesy type of music but then he throws in stuff like, you know, stuff from the 50s. And there's there's always, you know, this one didn't have, I, I should say this one wasn't like a lot of his other ones that had a lot of the, the pop classics. I mean, this one just didn't, and maybe that's why it didn't have the same impact on me. Because this didn't, there wasn't really any music from that, from that year or from that generation that really stood out. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what did you guys think? Well, I thought, I thought the, I thought what music they had was perfectly fine. Like the music, the ba- I don't know the name of the song or the group, but the scene in the, again, the, the middle school scene when he's coming in and going out, walking down the hall, that was great. Really fit. Uh, I mean, to tie into other John Hughes scenes, it, it tragically did not have a gong. But, <laughs> But you know, that's a personal preference. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it juxtaposed. He liked the old 50s kind of bebop songs, and, and then you, you you had some of the some of the 80s music that was known and some of it that was pretty forgettable by and large. Um, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it kind of played in the background and I, I didn't really, a couple of the things I remember, um, I think it was what ice tea or one of those, right. That was the big hit back then. Um, when he walks in the middle school, but other than that, it, it, it didn't take away and it didn't add anything to the, to the, to the movie. It just goes like, okay, yeah, it, it just kind of, it drives it along, but it's, it's fairly forgettable all in all. And I, I'll tell you what, and this is probably one of the issues that I had is, which is really kind of for John Hughes movie, the music is really kind of what makes a lot of his movies memorable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, a lot of the movies that he did. And it, it was kind of weird that, you know, there, I, I really can't go back and go, oh, I just really don't remember anything that, you know, from that period of time. Again, it was 89. I was, you know, I was already, like I said, I was well out of high school. I was, you know, looking at the last year of college for me. So, um, you know, maybe I just wasn't paying attention or I've just completely forgotten, but, you know, there was that, you know, that 80s period. I think it was like the 82 to 87. There was like this great period of the classic 80s music. And I think like by 89, 90, it just went, it went to shit. But that, yep. that's a whole nother podcast. So, um, anyway, it, like I said, that was the thing is like, I, the music was, eh. I mean, compared, if I'm going to compare it to other John Hughes movies, yeah, this, yeah, this one just didn't do it for me. Yeah, it, it, you're right. Some of the other movies he made, like, I think Breakfast Club and some others had great music. That one, this one was like, okay, yeah, it's there, but, but beyond that, it was fairly forgettable. Right. Um, all right, guys. Well, there you go. Let us move on to, uh, let's see, one of our favorite parts of the show, and that is going to be Brother, What You Drinking? And let's see. Um, well, let's see. It's either going to be you or me, Mark. Who's oh, Actually, oh. you know what? You go first. All right. I'll, I'll bring up the rear, and then obviously we have, you know, who. All right. I've been nursing a cold, obviously, if you mm -hmm. can't tell. Had no idea. Had no idea. So to help. I've been liberally using medicinal bourbon <laughs> to to coat, soothe, and relieve. Um, and tonight I've been drinking eight-year-old Basil Hayden's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Holy shit! Uh, it's 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 very smooth. Um, it's it's kind of got a smoky, woody flavor on the back end, more pronounced than its other flavors. Uh, and a little little hint of kind of a caramel and cinnamon, but it, I, it's it's a very nice small batch bourbon, and it's only the eight year old. But still, uh, Basil Hayden's is one of those small batch brands. Uh, who who's it gets out of uh, Frankfurt? So it, I'm I'm not sure which one of the distilleries has got it. My brain's not working very well tonight. I used to know. Anyway. Basil Hayden's, if you if you like bourbon and you can find it, 
Um, it's probably going to cost you thirty to forty dollars, but it it's a good it's a good smaller batch um, above mid range bourbons that that you'll enjoy. So that, that's what's been getting me by tonight. What about you, Steve? Well, I'll tell you what. Unlike you, I am not nursing a cold or anything. Thank God. But um, <clears throat> I have uh, I've been knocking back a little bit of bourbon myself. All was, right. Um, I have to go pick up some stuff. I'm going to make a uh, magnificent uh, turkey, or I'm sorry, uh, chicken stew tomorrow. Mm. Recipe that I've uh, I've put together, and I thought ah, I'm going to get some of this stuff. And I was walking by in uh, in Kroger. And they had the, uh, you know, Kroger's actually trying to really compete with the, uh, you know, the new market district, uh, uh, place that moved down the street. And I walked by and they had, and I've never seen this in Kroger. Hell, I haven't seen this in too many liquor stores for that matter, even including the one that is, a uh, uh, an amendment that has a one and a two in it. They have a bottle of uh, the the Colonel E. H. Taylor Small Batch. Ooh, really? Yep. Did you get it? Damn right. With that price, how much was it? Forty bucks. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that's a get. Yep. I was like, all right. Well, uh, that I think I'll buy this. That that looks pretty good because I think it's usually about fifty, sixty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it go for 70. Yeah. So, grabbed a bottle of that and so I've been nursing a couple of shots of those and uh and I told Deb I said here go hide this so I don't drink the rest of it. So, you know, Have to you me when I'm spending What's that? Have you tried any tonight? Oh no, I've been trying it all night. I that's oh, why I had okay. to go hide the bottle. Uh, uh so no, I've been no, I definitely been trying it. It's uh I like it. It's very good. It's got um the one thing I actually like about it is like the more I sip it, it's like I, I taste like the green apple or something. There's like an apple taste in it. It's very nice. Cool. Um but uh but yeah, I'm just kinda let's put this I'm just kinda washing it down with a good old Line and Kugel wheat beer. You know, liney wheat it is what it is. It's solid. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's solid. That's what I thought. I'm gonna have to. I have to get a beer. So, so I just got uh, got a little six pack of Lineys. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's going. Uh, that's what's going on with uh, Mark and Steve. So last and certainly not least, it's now time for catching up with Ken. All right, Ken, what's the highlights? Uh, it's been a busy, busy time for me. Uh, the holidays are here, uh, so I'll just zip through real fast. Uh, a couple weeks ago, after you know, the day after our last podcast, I went down to the Marat to Pappy Fest. Oh, yes. The Son of a bourbon bitch must tasting pay. event. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's my first time there. It's what's written up to be. It's bourbon and wine, mainly bourbon, but a little bit of wine. I think they want to, you know, some people like wine. Uh, it's so one of the, the big liquor distributors here put it on. Uh, the cool thing about it is, you know, you, you walk in and you have a number, your ticket number. And while you're there, they're constantly drawing, raffling. 
based on the tickets in the uh, the hopper, and depending on what you know you're being pulled for, if they pull your number, you might win something, or you might win the opportunity to buy something that otherwise would be difficult to buy. And Ron, one of the guys that I was going with, uh, he won three bottles, one of which was a Pappy Van Winkle. And I forget the other. The other was like a $400 bottle of bourbon. I forget the, the name of it. He won like, you know, a thousand bucks worth of bourbon. Wow. So he was very happy. Uh, I got to try some unusual items. Uh, obviously there's all kinds of stuff out there. Some places that I hadn't tried before, like as Wyoming. I'm not going to go into all of what I tried, but a fun event, uh, something we might want to think about doing when they do it again next year. Uh, certainly, certainly worth trying out. A uh, few other things. I mean, once you got to the, uh, you know, the next week, had what three parties. I had my bar of the month club down at, uh, Barrow restaurant down in Fountain Square, very cool bar. Had a couple kind of cool parties. One I got sort of invited at the last minute by a, a friend of mine, and uh, you know she had invite rights, so I went. But I was there hanging out with another a couple uh, girls I know, and it was kind of funny because one of them goes like, half the players in Northern Indianapolis are like in this party. I'm like, what do you mean? And they laid out some stories and like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, they are. Uh, well, well, heavens. Uh, another party I went to was a a couple I know were having a big fundraiser uh, for the Idol George. You know, high class place. You know, the kind it was actually the kind of party when you walk in and they have a harpist in the the atrium, you know, playing a harp. But they figured out oh, what the hell, so they're having a great big you know catered event. We might as well just open it up for our friends and have a party afterwards. So uh, did that. Uh, had lunch with our friend Brian, caught up with him. And uh, let's see, this week I have, I've had a party last night, an engagement party for some folks I know. They had, you know, a couple got engaged. We had that, and then we went out and listened to a friend's band. Uh Went to a CE class, legal and accounting CE, on winery and vineyard law. So if you have, like, questions on liquor distribution or something like that, talk to me. And uh, that's about it. Today, I took the day off. Uh, as the day was winding down, I went down to the Brass Ring, which is not a strip club. <laughs> you met keep one, saying that. Met one, Well, I'm just saying because Jeff would be asking if Jeff was here. I uh, met one of my coworkers for a drink after work, and then when he left, one of my former coworkers met me there, and I had some pizza, delicious pizza, blue cheese pizza, and uh, I've been drinking vanilla, vodka, and dry Diet Coke. Very nice. like it. And, and, you know, you still have yet to prove that it's not a strip club. You can come. So, actually, <laughs> next time you're in town, I will gladly take you all down there and buy you a drink. A drink? A drink? <laughs> what, are, what kind of friends are we? Jeez. <laughs> They've got an extensive assortment. Oh, well, then, then if we're only getting a drink, Steve, we're going all in. We're going to make him pay. Yep. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll get two drinks. 
Ah, okay. Buy each two drinks. Yeah. Son of a bitch will pay. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I think you'll like it. Actually, it's very nice. It's a very nice bar. It's sort of my regular, as listeners have probably picked up. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I went in there thinking, like, well, maybe I'll have some bourbon, maybe I'll have this or that. Oh, well. There you go. Well, oh, I, I, I will. Uh, I'm going to incur Mark's wrath because on the party I went to last night, they yeah. had various bourbons to be used for mixers. Ah, oh, here we go. Ah, blasphemer. And I had a very tasty Woodford Reserve and Diet Coke. Steve? Well, you, you know what? If it was, it must pay. I know if it wasn't a, uh, if it was a single barrel. But um, are you? I, I I knew the second I said that, Mark. I should have just drank it straight. But I mean, I know, I know. I, 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 I had a long night ahead of me, and I didn't want to start drinking. I would even accept bourbon. it over the rocks, but no, there were rocks in there. You put Coca Cola in Woodford Reserve. Yeah, but it was like you know. Blast beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's about half Woodford and half Diet Coke. Oh. All right. All right, Steve, just save me. Okay. All right, that's it. We're out of here. All right, folks, that's it with Brother What You Drinking, catching up with Ken and uh, the blasphemy of Ken. <laughs> that is the, uh, that's probably going to probably be a new, new segment uh-huh. of the show. <laughs> Blasphemer. <laughs> Actually, so, a regular portion of the show, just recounting my failures and inadequacies, <laughs> would probably be a very educational section. Oh, it would be God. a long show. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to clips. Clips are our favorite part of the show. So here we go. I'm going to crank through these things. Number one. Don't give me any crap, Maisie. I'm telling. You said crap. There's nothing wrong with crap. Oh, really? I thought that was a swear. Now you're thinking of shit. Oh, right. Is that a conversation you've had with your daughters? Uh, a few, and I just give I gave up on it. So, like, no, nah, she she swears like a sailor now. It's like, yeah, you're 18. You can do whatever you want. So, all right, number two. I want to get married. I want to have a family. I want to do it with you. Well, you know, the clock is ticking away here. I would just like to hear the pitter-patter of tiny feet before I die. I'll get you a mouse and a piece of sheet metal. (laughs) 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 The best part part is the classic Jock Candy laugh. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean... I'm going to save that line. Use <laughs> that my dating repertoire. Uh, and that's the thing. That, that's what makes this movie work. There's some great writing. In there this is movie. some great writing, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's like uh, mix mash. I mean, like I said, the parts are greater than the whole. It's yeah. just, it's, there's yeah. these vignette scenes that you just, cause that's what Deb's like. She goes, well, I heard you laughing a lot. I'm like, I know, but there's like certain scenes and then it's like, okay, this drags. But yeah. anyway, all right, next. And I love this part because this would be me, just so you know. Do you have a plunger here while I'm thinking of these things, uh, for the morning? You know, my plumbing is just so bad. Well, of course yours is a good plumbing here, right? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, just don't worry about it. You know, everything will be fine. You know, that reminds me of a trip. 
Steve, you know where I'm going to go with this. That reminds me of a trip down to Cincinnati. <laughs> yep, I know where you're going. <laughs> well, I was going to say it reminds me of a couple years ago when I spent the night down at uh, the old Casa de Slover. <laughs> oh, no. I had to get up to where uh, uh, Steve, uh, uh, Mark, do you have a plunger? Oh, no, this was worse. This was at a good friend of ours, God rest his soul. He was woke up in the middle of the night by another friend of ours, Granny. That's all he'll go by. Who woke him up in his bed at three a.m. Going, Ward, Ward, where's your plunger? <laughs> I went to the basement, but I couldn't find it. Ward goes, Jesus, nobody goes to my basement. The monsters live in my basement. <laughs> I packed up your toilet. <laughs> but the cheese, come on, yeah, God, my job. Well, so what happens when you take your annual poo? That's right. All right. Year. Yep. All right. Next. What What does he like to drink? Uh, the water? Yes. Yes, he drinks water. I would keep some water out. I've been leaving the, the toilet seats up. Yeah. Is that what the blue water is? It's not good for him, huh? Oh, God. That That might account for something. <laughs> and and we're not talking about Miles. We're talking about the dog. Oh. <laughs> I love it when she starts crying. <laughs> when he's... Yeah. Okay, next. What'd you blow all that makeup for? We're just going bowling. I'm not going bowling. Come on, it's a great sport, and it's virtually impossible to get pregnant while doing it, if you catch my drift. You're disgusting. <laughs> Nice. All right, guys, here we go. This uh, classic line. I'm Anita Horgarth. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. <laughs> <laughs> A great scene. Oh. That whole interchange. Buck melanoma. I should have got the and, rest of it. but and, it, and, and to the listeners, you got to understand, this woman, <laughs> this woman has a wart the size of Rhode Island on her chin. <laughs> And they have got her made up like she is a camp guard that got out of one of the <laughs> one of the German death camps. Yeah, it was like she was like the female death guard of you know uh, Buchenwald or yeah. something. Oh my god, Eric Belson. Uh, and right. she plays it. She plays it straight. Oh yeah. All right, next. When I look at your niece, she is a twiddler, a dreamer, a silly heart. She is a Java box. And frankly, I don't think she takes a thing in her life or her career as a student seriously. She's only six. <laughs> you know, I got to say, I got to jump in here because I've got a middle schooler and a high schooler. My middle schoolers, when they both were in and my son still is, there was a lot of that, and there still is some of that going on. And I, I finally just threw up my hands, and I said, for God's sakes, it's middle school. Knock it off. Yeah. It, it's, it's so competitive these days. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to get their kid to Harvard or something. Right. It, 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 it's, it's absurd. I agree. Yeah. It was absurd in 1989, too. Yep. All right. Uh, number nine, one of my favorite uh, – Scenes. Lazy. My uncle was microwaving my socks and a dog threw up on the couch for about an hour. 
Honest? Yes. Why was your uncle microwaving your socks? He can't get the goddamn washing machine to work. <laughs> like I said, I love these kids. It's adorable. All right, next. When I look at your knee. Oh, that wrong one. Sorry. Last and certainly not least. Take this quarter. Go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Good day to you, madam. <laughs> there you go, Mark. That was for you. I love it when he walks out, lights his cigar, because all you see is a shadow. Yep. Lights his cigar, goes down the mall, and doesn't about pace because he's completely lost. Yes. Oh, gosh. That is good uh, stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, Did you not capture the hatchet routine? I did not. Uh, that's a good quote, though. Yeah, I should have. No, there was, there was a few. I had to... I had to cut and paste. Can't, I understand. Can't get them all. Yeah. All right, so there you go, folks. That is it with clips. We are now going to move on to the top movies of 1989. I looked this one up. I know it's 1989. So, uh, Ken, you got these? Have we not done a movie in 89 for a while? or? Uh, actually, haven't. Okay. Uh, awesome. I, I can, I can, before I get too deep into... Uh, you know, the movies that uh, made the top ten. I want to throw out a few that didn't, but which are noteworthy. Uh, one was The Fabulous Baker Boys with Michelle Pfeiffer. A great role for her. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy was out that year. Wow. Uh, Glory came out in 1989. That wasn't in the top ten? Uh, no, it wasn't in the top ten. But it's an awesome movie. Which we I think we've mentioned several times we ought to do it. We never have, but it's a great movie. That's weird. I'm surprised that's not top ten. Yeah, we no. should do that one. Uh, when Harriet Sally came out in 1989. In 1989, I faced a quandary, which I think I've told you guys, where I went... On a hot summer day, I bought my ticket at the Eastgate Cinema, went in, and I was standing in the hall. And on one side of the room was Kenneth Branagh's Henry V. And on the other side of the hall was Ernest Goes to Camp. And I was sitting there going, like, man, this is a tough choice. I mean, I've heard Kenneth Branagh, Henry V at Shakespeare, but, I mean, I got... Ernest, Sorry. and you know what you're getting with an Ernest movie. But let me get into the top ten. Wow. Ernest? Yeah. Really? All right, top ten. Okay, everybody's here? Yep. Yeah. Okay, top ten, number ten. I saw this movie in a small theater in Livingston, Montana. Born on the 4th of July. Tom Cruise. Never saw it. Vietnam. What the hell are you doing in Montana? I was on vacation. Okay. My, my sister and I were out there like, let's go see a movie. And like, you know, it's a one horse town. It's got a cinema. I remember they had like all the popcorn you could eat. It was a pretty good deal. Hmm. Uh, what a 4th of July. I mean, you got a lot of buzz. You know, it's sort of an anti-war Vietnam movie. Uh, number nine, a movie which I think both of you have seen. The Little Mermaid. 
Uh, no, I actually can say I never had to sit through it. Wow. I have. I figured. Yeah, okay, so with daughters. Yeah, I had a daughter that was at that age. So. Oh, my daughter watched it. I just didn't. Yeah, I did. It was fun. Actually, it's kind of enjoyable. But continue, Ken. I can say I saw The Little Mermaid. What the hell? It was okay. Uh, number eight. A sad, sad movie. Ghostbusters 2. Ooh. Yep, that's pretty sad. Ooh. Cashing it in. Yeah, that... That was a pale, pale specter of the original. And everything that's come out and everything that they're putting out, I'm sure will be. And, yeah, and what, we've got a, a female version of this to look forward to next year? Yep. Okay. Well, look for you. I'll say it's coming out. Looking forward is two different things. Yeah, well said. Uh, number seven. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Uh, you know, I gotta say, it. I don't know how well it would hold up now, but then it was entertaining. I agree. Rick Moranis, if I'm remembering. Yes. So he 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 did a good job. No, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was an entertaining movie in the day. Uh, number six. I actually enjoyed this movie. Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That was a good yeah. sequel. Had yeah. Joe Pesci in it. You know, yeah, Lethal Weapon. It was, it was the one with the diplomatic immunity scene. Yeah. Yes, and where you learn never order at the drive-thru. You know why? Never. Because they f*** you at the drive-thru. You're miles away before they realize they f*** you at the drive-thru. But what Leo wants... Leo, Leo gets. gets. <laughs> it, it, it holds up. It's you know what? Movie. How the hell have we not done Lethal Weapon either? Oh, either one of those movies. I blame you. I blame myself. I keep telling you, you need to get like a 4 by 8 whiteboard <laughs> I and just do. writing down movie names. I what? do. It's like we've run out of... I, I forget all this shit. And Lethal Weapon's a Christmas movie. Oh, how the hell did we... Oh... Christmas movie. See, I blame you, Slover. You're supposed to keep me up on this stuff. Oh, all right. Well, I'll buy you a freaking dry white board, you numbnut. All right, Ken, go ahead. Continue. Number five. Uh, a movie by a recently deceased uh, actor. Something, you know, sort of a sad bent to it. The Dead Poets Society. Yeah, you know, when I saw that movie in my early 20s it kind of resonated and now that i watch it i really i have some problems i i i react differently i shall say oh yeah yeah it's not the exact same but i i can remember having a conversation back in the day i was hanging out with my cousin and some of his friends down in cincinnati and billy jack came on billy jack <laughs> wow and one of the guys these guys are like you know passing around joints and just having a good time but one of the guys was like, I don't remember when I first saw this thing when it first came out, and I thought like Billy Jack was right on, and now Billy Jack like came into my neighborhood, I kick his ass. It right, was, it was annoying. Right, same thing with Dead Poet Society. Yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, number three, 
Back to the Future 2. Got a lot of press lately. Back, you know, we just had the Back to the Future Day. I went to a Back to the Future party. And I like Back to the Future 2. Yeah, it was, it was entertaining as sequels go. Never saw it. I didn't think the first one was all that great either. Is Steve like a me. deep cover mole from the Soviet Union? Or I, no, I, I just, just didn't, didn't do anything for me. Sorry. I like the whole Back to the Future series, and Back to the Future 2 is an important part of it. Okay. Again, it's, you know, the first movie was you know, a 10, this was an 8, the next one was like a 6. Uh, number 2, getting into superhero territory. Batman, the Michael Keaton version. Uh, okay. I those remember are, seeing it. Those might have been like some of the more decent ones. The first one was decent, but it had Jack Nicholson. Jack in it. Nicholson is the Joker, but yeah, I think that one and what was the one with Kim Basinger? Was that her? That one. That was oh. that one. All right, I guess maybe that's the only one I saw. And I saw Dark Knight, and I said, "I'm done. I, this is bullshit." So. Would it be fair to say that this movie was the moment of? Kim Bassinger's peak hotness. Oh, I, I don't know. I like Confidential. She's pretty hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, yeah. Yeah. I see yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. LA Confidential is just a couple years later. I'll, I'll buy that. She's pretty striking, all in all. Yes, she is. She's an attractive woman. Yes. yes. Go on. Uh, number one Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. A great movie. Very good movie. Yes. Junior. Junior. They never should have made Indiana Jones 4. God. No wow. shit, Sherlock. That's 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 a travesty. Yeah. Somebody should get kicked in the balls for that. Well, we know who. He yeah. made $4 billion off of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're not naming names. No, not at all. Well, I'll tell you, a, a scene I love in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is sort of a throwaway scene, is the one sort of right in the middle where... Jones goes to Berlin to try to track down that book and somehow gets dragged out to the book burning. Oh yes, in Hitler's and Hitler's there. Yeah, I I, I always like that scene. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of dramatic. That's fun. Uh, but anyways, that's the top movies of 1989. Indiana Jones did oh almost 500 million. Uh, it's it. Did a lot more than Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck was successful, but not that kind of money. Wow. Very nice. Thank you very much, Ken. Cool. All right, so there you go. That is it with the top ten movies of 1989. We are going to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist of this great and fantastic film. Let's see. Number one. Ah! Did anyone jump out of a window? Uh, not that kind of a movie. Nope, nope, no, no windows. No, nope. all the windows were intact in this movie. They were. There was some ceramic plates that sort of got shattered. No, 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 no windows, no, no, windows, no, 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 no windows. Glassware. Yeah. All right, number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a live tile roll in the movie? Mark, you're all over this, I can tell. Uh, I think the mom was just... I mean, you had to have a mom in the movie, but this woman was just not well cast for it. Okay. Uh, Elaine Bromka. It just... She's she, a we- of all the actors, she's probably she, the weaker. Yes. Yeah. 
Thank you. I don't think she was unnecessary. She's not a little Tyler role, no, but, but she was a. She weak. could have brought more to the table. Yeah. And what would what the hair do? What the? I mean, seriously. Wow. Okay, number three. Son of a bitch must pay. Was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? Yes. Oh yeah. Bug. Bug paid. Bug paid big it, time. He got it with a five iron. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> Well, he's lucky he didn't get a shaved a little off his kneecap. Yeah, yeah. it could have been that too. And he got a great ride in a, in a Mercury Lincoln Brougham. Oh, good one. <laughs> All right, let's see. Number four. <laughs> Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? I didn't hear any. I didn't hear it. Nope, didn't hear it. All right, next. Could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? Well, I, you know, I, I love Tia. I I just like the actress. I think she really nailed this movie. Yes. 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 Yeah. No, she is fine. All right. Uh, what do we got here? Um, Was there a montage in this movie? Ken? I didn't see one. I think the whole uh, buck trying to sleep and all the kids and the dog and everybody piled on yeah, that. To me, that was kind of a montage. Not not a traditional one, but it's the whole time passing. and that, yeah, that's, They I know, had it, the clock with the... Tans twirling. Yeah. yeah, it's. I know it's weak sauce, uh, but that's. No, that's but it's the best pretty idea. good that, for this kind of a movie. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This was not an action movie where you're gonna have a right. classic eighteen montage. I mean, if Uncle Buck, you know, dragged the beast into the garage and like armor plated it or something, right. that'd be different. But right. you know, that wouldn't fit. Right. Okay. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? I didn't find one, did you? Nope. Bupkis. That's, I'm surprised, too. I, I, I never researched the B5 you know, actor connection. Leave that to you guys. But I'm surprised that there wasn't. Cause, I mean, this is, what, just a couple years before B5 came out? Yep. And you have all these character actors? I would have figured somebody would have rolled in there. Yeah, nobody. Could have been the darn of the week. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Nice. Oh, good Lord. All right, well, there you go. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. We are now moving on to the Man Cave Movie Review of this great and fantastic film. All right, who's got it? Ken? Mark? Ken? Ken, take it. Yeah, okay. Mark, Mark, can barely, Mark can barely talk. Yeah, I, I'm and losing my voice. I'll do it. Okay, uh, we, we've spent a fair amount of time talking about this movie. I think you can tell Mark and I like it. Uh, I think Steve respects it. I don't think he's as crazy about it as we are. I've seen it. I mean, I've been watching this movie off and on for years. If it's on TV, I'll watch it. I mean, it's been a while since I've caught it. Uh, some things we've talked about is it's a John Candy movie. It is. It revolves around John Candy. Uh, if you don't like John Candy, you're not going to like this movie. But I like John Candy. Uh, 
does a great job of bringing life and humor into you know various situations. As I said at the beginning, I was just really impressed as I was watching this on the scenes where just his facial expressions, uh, you know, told the story about whatever he was thinking, doing, thinking about doing. Uh, it's in a way, it's a it's a comedy, but it's got heavy parts to it too. I mean, there's some heavy duty messages about life and adulthood and responsibility and family. Uh, it's well cast. It's got a big, like we commented, most of the people that have been in this went on to bigger things. A thing I was actually, uh, we didn't mention it, but when I was, you know, doing my research for this, you know, a local school system gave John Hughes a high school to use, and they actually built all the scenes and sets in the high school. So, I mean, it, that that's kind of amazing. You would, you know, John Hughes was famous in a day for filming in the Chicago area, not, you know, you know, hate to say it, you know, it's not like watching an episode of Justified with the drought-ridden, scrub-covered hills of, uh, you know, uh, sales, Kentucky. Yeah, because we got so much of that here. I know. I mean, it's, you know, they filmed it in Chicago. And I, I like that when you go on, on location and do it. And Hughes was famous for that. Uh, it's a, a period, you know, it's a project of his time. It's, you know, 1989, late 80s, early 90s, uh, for good and bad. Uh, it proved to be the springboard for some people to move on to bigger things. I said at the beginning too, I, I, I have a long standing connection with this movie. I really like it. It, you know, it has a emotional family connection to me and it's like speaks to me. I mean, this movie always spoken to me for some reason. Uh, you know, even, you know, way back it spoke to me. So if I've got to give it a numerical rating, I really, really like this movie. I'm going to give it a nine. I really do like this movie. Wow. 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 Boom. Uh, yeah. Holy cow. Uh, I I enjoy this movie, but as I've said, I I think I love it for John Candy, and when John Candy's not in it, it it is it, it's not as strong, and it's a vignette movie. But I do like it, and I will watch it if it's on. I think we own it just because we could get it cheap, and the kids like it. But I. I'm not going to go, wow, that's high. I'm going to give it a seven. It, it's a fun movie to watch John Candy um, and some of the supporting actors, especially the young lady who plays Tia. But um, I I admire Ken, but I, I will be respectfully disagreeing and go, it, it's a seven because the parts are better than the whole. I don't, again... I give it a nine just out of personal right. factors. I get that. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm I'm probably going to be flogged and have salt thrown on my back after this. But I, I mean, I am a big fan of John Hughes. I've watched a lot of his movies. To me, I thought this was probably one of his weaker roles, or you know, weaker either writing or directing productions. But 
again, I said it before a little bit earlier. I, and to echo what Mark said, it's, you know, the parts are better than the whole. There's like really nice scenes here and there, but it just doesn't hold together like some of the other John Hughes movies that I've seen, like, um, either 16 Candles or, uh, Pretty in Pink or those type of movies. I mean, they're, it's a little different. And maybe it's just a generational thing. Maybe it's just like I was already out of that, that mindset because of where I was in my age. But I don't know. This one for me, and, and I'm just going to say right off the bat, I'm comparing it to the other Johnny's movies. I want to give this one a six. This is not one of my favorites. Uh, it's a good movie. Not saying don't go see it, but uh, compared to the other stuff that we've reviewed, well, like I said, trains, planes, and automobiles, doesn't hold a candle. Uh, not even 16 candles, I should say. But anyway, that's uh, that's my review, six. And I respect Ken. I know what he's talking about. We we do this all the time. It's like, what are you getting with that? But that's just how that's how it falls with me. I I like the fact that we have such a spread. Yeah, I do too. I mean, sometimes we all cluster in the, the same range. I mean, we've got differences here. Well, that that's it. I mean, that's and I, mean, I respect where you guys are coming from, and I yep. suspect most listeners will fall more on the Steve and Mark spectrum than the Ken spectrum. But hey, uh, second. I don't know. I think I, I would be surprised if more people fall on my spectrum. I think it's going to be more Mark and you. I'm, cause like I said, I remember I, I mentioned it to Deb and she's like, you've never seen Uncle Buck. I'm like, nah, this is like the first time she said, Oh, that's a great movie. And I'm like, Oh Christ, Steve, my wife saw it. And so, and she liked it. So like I said, I, it just was one of those where I just didn't, it didn't hit, it didn't hit the same chords with me, but that's, that's just me. I'm the outlier. I'm the outlander. What else is new? Yeah, of course. I'm weird. <laughs> All right. So there you go. That is that is it with the Man Cave movie review of this great fantastic film. And, well, I'll tell you what, guys. This is I, – I just want to say this is it for 2015. Um, not saying that's it for the uh, Man Cave movie review, but this will be the last show of 2015. We are going to be taking a break. For the uh, the Christmas holidays and New Year's, but we will be back in 2016 with some more great and fantastic reviews. So uh, we are po- you are posting highlights of past shows, correct? We will yeah. actually. What I was thinking about doing, and Mark, we have talked about this, but I was thinking is, uh, you know, for some of you longtime listeners, they're going to be old ones, but for some of you guys that, and gals, I know there's like one or two of you out there that still actually listen to the show. I we're, we're going to actually throw together some uh, some stuff from the past years that we've done some Christmas specials. And we're going to put those out there. So if you've never seen them, never gone back in the archives, you know, there's going to be a few that we'll throw out there. Got a couple of personal favorites. Um, yep. I'll tell you what, the one, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to rent it again. I'm surprised I didn't buy it, but, uh, mark that one we did, the World War One, the Christmas, uh, Joy, Joy of, Noel. Joy of Noel. Noel. Holy cow. That's, that is a given. That is definitely going to be one of the very first ones that we're going to put out there. So, now, that's a great, that's a great m- movie. Yes, about little known part of history. Very much. Yes. So, um, like I said, this is probably the last show of 2015. Uh, we're going to be taking a break until after the first of the year. We will be back 
And trust me, it's going to be a great, uh, going to be a great 2016. I've got a, we got a great lineup for you. Let's get you a dry ride board so you remember them all. I've already got it written down. Oh, I've got, I've, I've got the first five shows of next year. No, that's shoes. Shoes. You might like, you might like one of them, but that's okay. Great. So, uh, but before we, uh, before we sign off, I, d- I do want to thank, uh, Mark. Ken, and even Jeff. And I understand why Jeff isn't here tonight. Uh, the Pacers were really short on people, and they needed somebody to play center. So I thought, it, I thought he was their ball boy. No, they needed somebody to play center. Oh, okay. So that's how bad we're doing this year. So Wow. Uh, no, so, but I just wanted to say I want to th- thank all these guys because this is uh, we're, we're finishing up year three. Whew. Just saying. Year three. And I just want to thank you guys because if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't have a show. Also, a big shout-out to everybody that listens to the show. Uh, thank you all for you know sticking with us. Like I said, we started this as literally a hobby in the basement. and It's uh, still a hobby. It's still a hobby in the basement. It's still a hobby in the basement. It's not like we're trying to monetize this thing. We're just having a good time talking about these movies. You know, we put this stuff on Facebook and our website, and, you know, the feedback we get from uh, the folks is is great. And just glad that there's actually people that want to listen to us and, you know, hear what we have to say. I know we kind of go off on the rails, and, you know, and I know Ken drinks too much at times and kind of gets off the times. (laughs) What are you talking about? That's that's a staple of this podcast yeah Ken's so, drunken ravings well you know i hate to say it mark but with, with your throat i think you just need to like pound a bottle of bourbon down uh, it, it couldn't hurt i was gonna say give me another 30 minutes and i'll pretty much have done it tonight i know <sighs> you're getting close to the vader voice there dude oh god it's getting bad <laughs> no but <laughs> well, I, do I, want... I just need some camels unfiltered i'm just... <laughs> No, but I do want to. What's the what's what's the most gravelly voiced character we've had in a movie that Mark is trying to emulate? Michael Ironside. (laughs) (laughs) Anything he's done. That that could be. Yeah. Well, I do just want to throw again uh, a big shout out to all of you guys that have been listening to us through all these years. Uh, New listeners, please welcome. Hope you enjoy the show. Like I said, we literally throw this together on a shoestring and try to do the best we can. And all we're trying to do is uh, introduce you guys to some movies that you probably have seen, give you a little bit different take on it, and movies that you probably have never seen. And if it wasn't for us, you would have probably never rented again. That made no sense. No, if it, it didn't, but that's okay. Keep it in. All right, I'll keep it in. That, All right, I'm not the only one's been drinking for that's, hours. That's just delusional, Lush man. I know. Well, that was it. That's I. I spent the first hour trying to get my damn microphone to work. So, all right, folks. So, actually, I think the first hour of this pre-podcast was pretty much like Uncle Buck's encounter with the washing machine. <laughs> well, that's yeah. Pretty- well, that, that actually depths up. She's like, what are you doing to that computer? I'm like, never mind. So, don't ask, dear. Yeah, don't ask. Just go get some. Never mind. 
So there you go. That That is with episode 171. And again, folks, thank you for listening to us. We're going to be back next year for some more great and fantastic reviews for the Man Cave Movie Review. So uh, until then, look for us on Facebook. Give us a like. Share us with your friends. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Twitter. So until our next show, I am your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark. I got a hatchet in the Jeep here for you. Slover. Yeah, I'm going to, after we get done with this, guys, I'm going to I'm gonna make me a mound of pancakes and see if I can get a piece of toast through the door. <laughs> um, nice. Merry, Merry Christmas to and Happy New Year and a wonderful Happy Holiday with family and friends to all of our friends. Um, we really appreciate you guys for whatever reason listening to us week in and week out and we look forward to seeing you in 2016 so have a great holiday everyone very well done thank you mark yep and also signing off and saying farewell adieu and avirzan is our other good and dear friend ken i just made pancakes roni if the goal of Movie review podcasting was to get as close as possible to a successful review without actually hitting it. We would be winners. Nice. Nice. Very well done. All right. And on behalf of our other good and dear friend, Jeff, I'm playing center for the Pacers tonight. Muncie. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure he sends his regrets and regards and his happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Merry Christmas, all that other good stuff. Kiss his ass, kiss your ass. <laughs> <laughs> because that would be Jeff. I'm sure he, <laughs> I'm sure he is, uh, remiss right now for missing this show. So I'm, that, that is his regards for you. And, uh, again, here's me, your host, signing off. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and all the other holidays, and Happy New Year. Don't do anything I would do, because it's probably going to get you killed. We will see. Or you'll wake up with a tattoo on your face. There's that. (laughs) But will the tattoo be bigger than somebody's recent tattoo? I don't know if it is. Uh, Well, uh, let's put it this way. It's good. If it's bigger than the face, it's probably gone off on the pillow. So, anyway, so that's it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 171, and the end of Man Cave Movie Review for 2015. We will see you in 2016. Until then, ciao.